Now, we've been in a series called At the Cross, and man, you talk about the power in a name. I requested this song. I said, man, I just, I want us to sing this song this week. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. We're talking about the cross and the power of what's happened at the cross. And, you know, I think there's a generation that has been grown up or has grown up in a, in a very timid church, a very timid uh, group of people that did not want to stand firm in, in clear biblical doctrine because they were afraid of the feelings they may hurt. And, you know, we've, we've grown up and we've, we've appeased a generation of individuals to feel good about everything at the expense of speaking truth in, in, in all that it represents and all that Jesus has called us to do. And so at the cross, man, we can lose its power of what the cross has done for us. And I don't want to be a church that, you know, we just come to Easter and we celebrate, oh, Jesus, he died for our sins. Man, he was raised to life, amen. And it was just a moment, a moment in time. I want us to be a church that knows the power that gives us every single day to live free from sin, to live a part of the body of Christ and to build his kingdom and walk away from ours. That's what I want for our church. And so today I'm going to talk about that we're adopted. We're going to kind of verse by verse it a little bit in a couple different verses. And I want to jump into this. But how many of you guys have ever been in a place in your life where you felt like an outsider? Anybody been there before? You felt like the outsider. You walked into a room and man, you just felt like you were the you were the, the odd man out. That you walked in, it almost was like everybody was on the in and you were on the out. That you, that you were the one that all eyes were looking at. You were, you were the one. And everybody's like, you know, and all the anxiety that comes, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Uh, do I have something on my face? Is it what I'm wearing? I mean, uh, I mean you think about that anxiety, right? <sighs> you know, I... I, I I think, you know, for me in my life, there, there was a, a moment like that. I've talked about being on the in crowd, maybe from a talent that I had to play a sport. And, but at the same time, I lived in a world that I, I didn't, I necessarily wasn't on the in crowd. All my friends were a part of a group called GT. Anybody part of GT growing up, the gifted and talented crew? <laughs> Raise your hand, identify yourself. Please do. You got a special place in my heart that I pray against every day. <laughs> you are my thorn in my side. No. But the GT crew, and I remember being an individual growing up that, you know, uh, uh, for me, I, it was said that I was dyslexic, that, you know, for whatever reason, I guess I would switch numbers back and forth, or I would read a word but not look at all the letters, so I may think it's one thing, but it's actually something different, so I would say it, and sitting in class reading, you know, that was like the worst thing. I, Brent, would you read this passage in class? I'm like, no, I do not want to, okay? <laughs> I've been known to screw up and people laugh, no. But it was really highlighted in eighth grade whenever it came time for physicals. You got to take a physical to play a sport and, and you had to take this, this form home to get signed by your parents. Well, I forgot to get the form signed by my mom or my dad. So I'm at school and I'm like, man, what am I going to do? I, I got to play a sport. I mean, I'm playing football. I don't care what I got to do. I mean, I will sell my soul to only Jesus. But, um, <laughs> and I remember forging it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to forge this. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to hell. Oh, my God. I'm lying, you know. But I'm going to play football. Fresh. And I turned it in, and I remember standing there in line to go cough, and uh, there with all my peers and all my peers. And um, the trainer walks up to me and says, um, hey, uh, Brent, um, did your mom sign this form? I'm like, yeah, totally. She did. She totally did. And uh, she says, well, I think your mom would know how to spell her name. I was like, yeah, M-E-L-I-S-A, duh, Melissa. She's like, no, your mom is two S's, M-I, or M-E-L-I-S-S-A. Is that how I spelled it the first time I did it? I spelled it wrong the first time. See, there you go. I spelled it M-E-L-I-S-A, as opposed to, I've never spelled my mom's name before that, I guess, or Melissa, I don't know. But I spelled it M-E-L-I-S-A. And she's like, there's actually two S's in there. I'm like, it's all the same, okay? She was tired this morning. You know what's up. <laughs> but she said it right there in front of all my peers. And all my peers start laughing like, oh, you don't even know how to spell your mom's name. <laughs> so I go walking into the gym after I coughed. She let me, she let me cough. And uh, 
I go walking into the gym and there, there's some people. They're like, oh, you can't even spend. Blah, 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 blah. And I remember feeling like, man, I'm, what is wrong with me? Why can't I operate like everybody else? Why do I mix up and why do I switch up? And, you know, it, it was something that it was definitely highlighted and in there. I have to, there's certain things that I do even to this day to really focus in to make sure that I'm retaining and reading things as it is and looking at numbers properly and all that other stuff. Who would ever thought that I would be doing what I'm doing today? A lot of people would not. But God has plans, right? And his plans are bigger and greater than anything we can ever think of. And I remember feeling like the out person. Man, there's something wrong with me. And man, why can't I? And sitting in class and then all my friends would go off to GT and I'm like, yeah, yeah, GT. The same year in eighth grade, I would tell this story. And you know, if you come to open house, I'll probably tell the story too. But I was in eighth grade and there's a moment in time where there's an individual getting a soda out of a machine. I'm in an in crowd and this crowd begins to make fun of this individual just because he's overweight. And I remember feeling the tension and the pain there that these words that they were pushing towards this individual based on his outward uh, per, um, appearance was isolating him and making him feel like the outsider. And I remember my heart breaking in that moment to say, man, I don't want to be a person that does that. I don't want to be a person that lives that. I want to be a person that actually lives to make a difference, lives to bring people from the out to the in, that people would feel loved, although their existence or their, their start may be different. And I, I remember feeling that tension inside of there. Man, that pain, that struggle. Oh. And I think we all have that in our life at some point in time. And I think it's a part of our formative years that there are things. We all have deficiencies. We all have issues. We all have things that we're not the best at. We all have things that maybe we, we would ostracize us from a group of people. You know, the, the reality is that that outsider mentality is something that we're born into. If, it come, if we look spiritually, if we look at this thing spiritually, we are all born as outsiders. We're, we're born into sin, the Bible says. We're born into sin. We're born as outsiders, outside of the family of God. You know, uh, uh, if you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at Adam. Adam did it. Adam created the sin. Adam and Eve both said, hey, we want this knowledge and sin entered into the world. And you know, it would speak to this in Romans. If we read here, the first scripture I want to read here is Romans chapter five. It says this in verse number 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is a very different, it's very different from the result of that one man's sin. So we got a gracious gift, but that gift is different than the one man sin, Adam. So it goes on to say this, for Adam's sin led to condemnation. Key word here. It led to condemnation. We'll focus on this condemnation. But God's free gift leads us, uh, leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. So there's a free gift that was given in God's grace, but sin entered the world through Adam and now all sin, many sins. We all have many sins. For the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. One sin brought it in. Sin entered into the world. We are all now born into sin. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So there is a reality of what we are born into. Adam brought sin into the world, but there's a greater gift in Jesus Christ that gives us power over sin, which is beautiful. But here's the key inside of here. Sin brought condemnation on humanity. You can't get around this reality. Every person that lives upon the face of the earth is born into a world in which their, uh, their position that they operate in is from an individualistic my kingdom mentality. And so their actions reflect that. I'm going to do my thing how I want to do it. And condemnation is upon them. So if you look at condemnation, what is it talking about here? The action of con condemning someone to a punishment. The, the action of condemning someone to a punishment. Condemnation. Someone, if you are outside of Jesus Christ, sin, we're under sin. Every single person that walks the face of the earth outside of Jesus Christ is condemned to a punishment by a heavenly father. He repul he's repulsed by sin. We live in it, our own world, our own kingdom. So how do you inherit hell or eternity away from God, better said? How do you inherit that in this life? Well, how you inherit it is you simply just keep on living without a response to the creator. Every person that is born is simply born into darkness, born into sin. Every person is on their way to hell. That's it. 
you do nothing in this life, you will inherit eternal separation from the creator of the universe. We are all under the condemnation, a punishment due by God. Every single one of us here on this earth, okay? So this is a clear statement inside here. And I'll tell you, this is why Gen Z millennials, you got to understand this. You got to get to a, a grips on this. Good is not good enough. Good is not good enough here on this earth. There is only by one name that we are saved here. Every person on earth, every person, every tribe, every nation, one name that everybody is saved under, and that name is Jesus Christ. Every person that dwells here on this earth is living in darkness. That's it. We're moving through life in darkness. Okay? So let me dive into it. I mean, I, we're going ver we'll verse by verse it here, but we got to be clear because if there is no responsibility of reality, we will not move in the direction in order to operate with the kingdom. We won't do it. We're just like, everybody's good. Do your own thing. Well, the enemy wants that lie to operate in the body of Christ so that we'll live uh, apathetic to the call of Christ for us to be a light into a broken world. If that lie can seep into the body of Christ because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, we'll just simply live a life building our own thing, happy with our own world, our own lives, and we'll never move in the direction to build the kingdom. It's still pseudo, we're building our kingdom, but we get the benefits of that one. So let's dive into it a little more. John 3 is 36. Pastor Chris Harrell talked about last week, right? On the front end here, Nicodemus is talking about, well, how do we inherit eternal life? What do he say? We must be born again. We must be reborn, right? The son of man must be elevated, right? Every person must come to the son of man and be reborn. Rebirth is the same thing biblically as adoption, Exact same thing. We're going to be talking about adoption, but it's the exact same thing. So it says this later down. Jesus would say this in John 3, 36. He says, and anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains, key word here, but remains under God's angry judgment. You get it? You hear it in here. Every person... Anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Any person has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Okay? So we're under the condemnation. We're under the angry judgment. If we come to Jesus, then we get the light and it's canceled. And we'll talk about that in just a second. We're going to read a scripture that talks about that. But the start of it here is everybody remains until Jesus Christ. We are born into it. We live under the condemnation. It is our existence. It's the world's existence until Jesus Christ steps into the equation. So those, uh, those that um, doesn't obey the son uh, will never experience eternal life. But those who believe the son will have eternal life. So John 3, verse number 18. Let's jump a little more into it. Earlier in this chapter, it says this, verse number 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes. So the condemnation, that judgment that is upon humanity that is just existing is canceled, right? There's no judgment against those who believe, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. God sent his son into the world to do something specific. In verse number 19, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the, the light. For their actions were evil. For who, uh, who do evil, all who do evil, sorry, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So we remain under it if we don't come to it, but those who come to it, man, we want to stay into the light so that we can be accountable. We can be held to account for the decisions we're making that is accordance with righteousness. But those who do not come to the light want to remain in the darkness. They enjoy the darkness. They enjoy the sin. What is that? A life of building their kingdom. We can do what we want, when we want, how we want, how we feel. I was born this way. You don't understand. You don't understand the life in which I've had to encounter. You don't know I got to get mine. You don't understand. No, we do understand. We were all born into sin. Every single person in here has an issue. You can't get away from your issue. Whether it's identity, value, greed, lust, whatever it may be, every person has an issue 
that we are dead in our sin. Condemnation is upon our lives. Condemnation is upon the world. There is a punishment for every person that is out of alignment. Every person. But God. Right? But those that believe, now it's canceled. So Romans 5 would say this, but God shows his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Amen. You hear us say this around here. We were sinners. We have many sin. We were under the condemnation. But while we were sinners, God in his great love came down and did something for us. Right? So and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Okay, that condemnation word, God's judgment, same thing. The same terminology is used inside of here. So he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, enemies away from God, outside of believing in Christ, under condemnation, enemies of God, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ at the cross took us from condemned Right? The punishment that we are due is eternal separation from him. But God and his grace, yet while we were sinners, many sin, whatever your sin is, all good. You got sin, I got sin. We're all in. But Jesus stepped in, and now we have believed this life, believed this light that stepped into the world. And because of that, now there's a decision we got to make. So let me just say it this way. Here's, a, here's kind of a story format and an understanding of what this is like. Now, I'll use a relationship. Everybody in here, a majority of us aren't called to be eunuchs, okay? The Bible would talk about, and, and it's a question that was brought up uh, in the church in Corinth, um, but Paul would respond that he does not respond. He's answering a question on marriage, and sometimes in the church world, we've said, well, it's better for you not to marry. That's not what Paul was saying. He was quoting a question back. He's like, on this question you're asking on, is it better not to be married or to marry? He was just quoting it back. So not all of us maybe are called not to be married. A majority of us are called to live in that Genesis, be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Okay. There's struggle in that. Amen. There is a struggle in that world that God has called us to be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Cabralises. We got five kids over there. Good Lord. They are loving the game right there. Amen. So here's the journey. I'll talk about it in relationship. You're just living life, doing your thing. You're growing up, you're maturing, you're rocking and rolling, you're doing your thing. And then all of a sudden, someday, somebody catches your eye and you're like, say what? Man, I, I like the way this person looks. Or maybe you had an interaction with them. And you're like, man, they seem like a really genuine, nice, good hearted person. And so you go home and you're like, man, I'd, maybe I'll show up to work early. Maybe I'll show up to school early. Maybe I'll show up to the place of business that they work at and just like act like I'm just a patron, you know, hey, you know. <laughs> and so you're just trying to get there to further that connection. And then you, you interact again. You're like, oh, man, they like really are legit. <laughs> okay. So then you're like, hey. I got a good idea. How about we go spend more time, dedicated focus time, over a dinner? And they're like, sure. You're like, okay. So you go to dinner and you're sitting there, you're like, dude, we are vibing. We're catching feels. This feels good. This is awesome. Man, sparks are flying. I'm trying to hit every generation with these words right here. <laughs> they're just catching feels, sparks, you know, whatever it is, right? And so you have this man and things are progressing. It's like, wow, this person is legit. And so you, you start to say, well, let's meet more consistently. And there's an agreement. It's like, cool, let's just keep meeting. And as you keep meeting, the relationship is growing. They're saying things. You're believing things. Then y'all are interacting. And maybe you, as, as a relationship is building, now you're entrusting your life with them because you believe them. They are who they are. You hang out with their friends. And you're like, oh, their friends are pretty cool. Like, okay, and they're all saying the same things that he says in person. He's not just a person that's running his mouth, talking, you know, running game and all that other stuff. And just FYI, don't let somebody run game on you. Like, oh, you beautiful. They're saying that on the first time. Come on, somebody. You already know you're beautiful. You already know you're the apple of God's eye. You already know that he put his hands on you and created you. You already know what they're saying. So don't get twisted in the words that they're using to try to get you. Okay, so um, you know where that's going. That's the voice of the enemy in Jesus' name trying to get you to 
compromise on your purity because he knows if you're useless goods, you will feel less value than he's created you in. You would never live up to the expectation to raise the bar for other people. Okay, I'm not going there. So we're talking about relationship. It's being built out. You start to entrust your life to them, right? You're starting to trust them. You're hanging out with friends. You like it. And all of a sudden you're at dinner one time. It's really nice. You got some nice things going on. And then what happens? Person pops down on their knee, okay? It's equal opportunity. My wife tried to pull this on me. She was like joking around trying to pull this on me at barbecue station way back in the day. It's like, will you marry me? She's trying to jump. I told you I married an independent woman, okay? She's trying to break the tradition here in Jesus' name. And I rebuked her right there in that restaurant and said, you get back up right here. And I was like, I will spend the rest of my life with you. But let me ask you, okay? So this person pops down on their knee and they say, I've been, I've been waiting my whole life to meet someone like you. I've, I've waited my whole life to meet someone like you. Will, will you spend the rest of your life with me? Will you marry me? And in that moment, we got a decision to make. We got a decision to make right there. I've been down this road once. I ain't going down it again, okay? No, no, no. Or you can say, I feel the exact same way. I've been waiting my whole life to meet someone like you. I will commit my life to you forever. And so you set this date, you walk into a church, you walk in as an I, you come to the altar and they say, hey, will you do this? Will you do that? Blah, blah, blah. Maybe I did it for you. Maybe somebody else did it for you. But you all said, I do. And yes, I commit to this. What is the commitment? Richer or poor, death do us part, right? Good times and bad, health and sickness, you know, all... I will always be here. You've proven yourself enough in the dating that I believe in the hard times and the minutia of life that I can put my life in your hands and you're going to be there to care for me. It's the same thing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the exact same thing. We're just living life. We're in darkness. We are all dead in our sin. But there's sufficient grace of God that steps out of heaven and pursues us into our journey. And there's a moment in time, if you want to look at the story of the prodigal son, prodigal son, as I called it on Easter, the prodigal God, we are existing as the son that is away from the father. What, what does it say? The son was away and he came to his senses. There's a moment in time as we're just living life and operating and moving in darkness and in sin, the veil over our eyes that God peeks into our journey. And we say, hey, what's up? Maybe it is in pain that we've come to the end of ourselves, that we made our choices and made our choices that led us down to darkness, pain, struggle. We are empty. We are broken. And in the middle of that, God steps in and says, I love you. And we say, wait, say what? And so what do we do? We're like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to start going to church and I'm going to get around the friends. I'm going to get around the family of God. You know, I'm going to start reading my Bible and I'm going to start learning about this person. Is he, he really is who he says he is. Wow. I'm going to start praying and reaching out. And man, I, I start getting strength when I'm talking to him. And I mean, I start getting revived and man, I, I feel strengthened through my time of prayer. And then what happens? There's this moment in time where he says, I love you. And I gave my life for you. Would you spend the rest of your life in commitment with me? Here's the deal about this. The deal about this commitment is in saying yes, just like we walk into the chapel or the church or whatever it is on our wedding day. We walk in as I, but we leave as us. We walk in as I, but we leave as we. And so the problem is this. We're in a world here today that is saying, you like Jesus. You caught good feels. You can live how you want to live. You can know all about him. You can even show up to church, but you don't have to live a life in commitment towards him. You can just get all the benefits. What type of relationship is that? Come on, help me out. What type of relationship is that? I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be uh, connected to you. I love you so much. I want to be intimate with you. 
I want to live in the same house that there's less, you know, financial burden. I want all these benefits of being secure that you're going to be behind me when I fall. But what I don't want to do is commit. I don't want to enter into a covenant commitment relationship that I am required. It is my commitment that in these times, this is how I operate. This is how I respond. This is how I live. And the challenge with this generation is you're being told and we're being lied to that you can have all the benefits of the kingdom, but you don't have to live a life married to Christ. You can live as I, but you don't have to live as we. Imagine if you were in a relationship and you're married to somebody. They're saying, I love you. I am behind you. I am for you. I will always be here. And then you find out the whole time during your relationship, there was somebody else behind the scenes that he was committed to also, or she was committed to also. You would be heartbroken. You would be tore up on the inside because somebody was telling you they were for you, that they loved you and you were the only one. But really, it was all just words to make you feel good. It was all just words to get you to believe something that wasn't true, that you would give something that you would not get in return. This is the reality of the relationship we have with God. He's given it all. He's reached out in our darkness. He's asked us to respond. And in this response, he's saying, you're no longer an I, you are a we. We're in this. And now I have sufficient grace to save you. And now I've given you the Holy Spirit that you can walk in righteousness in commitment towards me. This is a key thing that we got to understand. We are under condemnation, but God in his grace, read Romans. Romans outlines this completely. Man living in darkness, by grace through faith we are saved, and by faith we live a life of good works and deeds before our creator. We're not saved through works. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, but our faith drives good behaviors out of us. Because we love Jesus, we operate in love towards the world. Because we love God, we move in love and honor and obeying him. That's why we do what we do. This is the dynamic in which we're living in. If we come to this understanding, this realization, we will walk away from our kingdom because we realize, man, this isn't about us. This isn't about me, right? I, this is about us the kingdom of God, the relationship we have. You know, there's so many people, I've heard very religious people that feel like they know God so much that they no longer have to show up to church anymore. I can just worship God at home away from the very thing that Jesus loves. Well, if you love the thing Jesus loves, then you're gonna be showing up at church because you don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. You're brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not meant to live apart from the church. You're meant to live part of the church. We're meant to be connected in relationship. That's why, man, with COVID, everybody's been able to be separated and isolated. And bad doctrine is infiltrating Christians' minds. They can continue to stay at home. There's even people saying out out there today, oh, the church is never coming back the way it was before. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. We were meant for this right here. We're meant for relationship. We're meant to be brothers and sisters in Christ through Christ Jesus. He has adopted us into the family of God. Let's look at 1 John 1. 1 John 1 would speak this very clearly. In the beginning, the word already existed, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He uh, was simply a witness to tell them uh, about the light. Verse number nine, the one who is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Speaking of Jesus, verse number 10, he came into the world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Verse number 12, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. 
He gave us the right to become children of God for those that believe in the Son of God, for those that believe in Jesus Christ, for those that come to this light that is shining into this darkness. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. The same thing Pastor Chris is talking about last week, uh, uh, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, you must be reborn. Is the same thing that is spoken at the latter part of um, First John here, or John 1 here. We come to Jesus, and through Christ, we have a rebirth. We have a birth into a sinful world. We come to Jesus, and then we have a birth into the kingdom of God. We have different brothers. We have different sisters. It all changes. We may have come from chaos in a natural life, chaos from our biological families, but the moment we come to Jesus Christ, we step into the kingdom of God and the family of God, and it's this beautiful place we are adopted in. Amen. Amen. Now, here's the deal with adoption. If you, if you can't have a baby, look into adoption. Through the dysfunction of our, our culture here today, there is a lot of children that are given up for adoption. I think it's a much better option and I think it's a righteous option as opposed to abortion. Abortion is of the enemy. You back anybody that supports abortion, God bless your soul when you get to heaven to give an account for the decisions you made to back people that support abortion. That's crazy. Killing babies in the womb, crazy. But here we are. We are adopted in. There's a lot of children that are in foster care. A lot of people, a lot of children that are up for adoption. If you can't have a biological kid, look into it for whatever reason. Maybe God has called you. The greatest thing we can do, what is the, the scripture tells us that we should care for? Widows and orphans. Widows and orphans. As Christ, Christ followers, we should care. The love that's on the inside of us should move in the direction of widows and those that have been given up for adoption, orphans. So if you can't, man, move in that direction. But I grew up with a, a youth pastor, Pastor Lisa, that was adopted. And she has an incredible story of her adoption story that I think will help us get some understanding of what Christ did in this adoption, this rebirth into the kingdom that we have um, available to us, that we, are, that, um, that we get. And so I'm going to let her tell this story. We, gave, we interviewed her this past week. So go ahead and watch this video. Watch Pastor Lisa, and I'll come, in, come up and close out. Hi, my name is Lisa Allen, and I'm one of the staff pastors at Live the Life Church in San Antonio, Texas. So I was adopted in 1969. And my birth mother was 17 and my birth father was 19 years old. My birth mother's parents were extremely religious and pious. And so for her getting pregnant outside of marriage, underage, and at the time in 1969 being born to somebody that was not of her same race was a major issue. So they disowned her. Um, she ran away and she ran away to a friend's apartment and it was in that apartment she began to go into labor and she delivered me by herself at 17 at 17 years old by herself in that apartment now you can imagine there's this conflict of emotion this dichotomy she's got these emotions that I've carried this child this this person human being that I've that I've developed within my own body and then there's this other side that has to be there's this survival thing that kicks in that says, man, I don't want to bond too close because I know I have to be able to live life after this without this devastating pain in my life. And as well as that, you can imagine at 17, she doesn't have a whole lot of medical background. So there I was playing there, umbilical cord, not, un, you know, not cut um, in the brink of life and death. And so a very pivotal moment in that time. Uh, growing up through my life, of course, I came to understand that that was the foundation that the enemy wanted to build his kingdom on because there was other traumas in my life that stacked upon that. But I've noticed that everything that I've gone through really kind of connected back to this original thing. So when I was radically saved in 1999 by an amazing, powerful, grace-filled, healing God, it was just absolutely insane. A year later, I was dropped into an atmosphere of an open heaven at a school in Pensacola, Florida. God had called me to Bible college and in the wisdom of the school, the one of the first classes they had was an inner healing class. And I was like, inner healing, okay, sounds mushy. Like I thought we were gonna sit around in a circle and share feelings and things like that. But it was this very sweet, 
woman that got up and began to speak and she was about five foot nothing had rosy cheeks uh, a little bit plump white hair and these blue eyes that sparkled we called her mama hug because i'm telling you you just got free when you were around her and i remember this i remember the day that it was uh appointed that she would be speaking about adoption and i was going in i rolled in there just like um, i thought being adopted was like celebrity status i mean i knew that there were some things in my life but I never associated it with that. And uh, I was just like, hey, I'm the youngest, I'm the only girl, you know, I'm adopted. Like, it's kind of a pretty good deal, you know. I never heard too much negativity about it. My parents were very forward thinkers and they always spoke positively about it. I would hear the world make jokes about it, like if they were telling jokes on their brother and sister um, about being adopted. And those were kind of negative statements, you know, it, it kind of determines somebody's value. So, you know, please don't do that. But. Um, when I went in there, she had nothing but love for the conversation. And I remember when she began to speak, it was as if God leaned in and whispered in my ear. And he said, listen, this is your story. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if there's one kid around that doesn't love to hear about themselves, that doesn't love to hear where they came from and how they were celebrated and, and how there was joy involved in their birth, right? But I was getting this firsthand information because I didn't know any of that of my background, I had no, I had no reference to my history. And the father himself was coming and he was saying, let me tell you about my daughter. Let me tell you about her story. And so when the teacher, when the teacher said that and he, and he spoke to my ear, I kind of leaned in a little bit more. And I, I just want to read the scripture. And this is what she began to read. If you can imagine me being there, uh, feeling like my whole life is being read. And it says this in Ezekiel 16, it says, on the day that you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for on the day you were born you were despised. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your own blood, and as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. You know, I could have had a lot of um, difficulty about my origin and where I came from. I think that we can wonder why we're here, what, what family we're born into, but it's God's sovereignty no matter who we are, whether we're adopted or not. It's God's sovereignty to place us into a position, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because what he's doing is he's preparing us for his plan. It's not our plan, and we include him in on it. Um, we're prepared for his plan. So in this moment, I want you to know this scripture goes on to say, that I also entered into a covenant with you and you became mine. When I was adopted, my name was actually changed to Lisa. Actually, I was given a name for the first time. And Lisa means covenant with God. It means consecrated to God, set apart for his good purpose. I have an understanding of what adoption is and, and what it isn't. People will frequently ask me, what does it feel like to be adopted? Well, I couldn't tell you what it, what it feels like not to be adopted. So, you know, I couldn't begin to describe that to you, but I know how God's used it in my life to be able to minister to people, to adopt people into my own lives. That's the only love I have. <clears throat> That's the love of adoption that God has, that he extends to everybody around us. So if whether we're family or not here in the physical, because we don't have the same last name is irrelevant. We are to extend the love of adoption to everybody around us. He's used it so greatly. And I pray that you get a revelation today of that type of love, the love of adoption, that he called you into life, that he spoke to you, and that he said, live. Amen. So this is a physical story, a biological story of adoption. And she was brought into a family that was a loving family, a family that accepted her for who she was and never treated her as anything different. The reality is when maybe for our lives, maybe you do have this story and you do know what it feels like to, to question your origins and, well, what was it about me that at that moment in time that I wasn't loved? Maybe you have gone down that journey. And let me just tell you, there is peace and there is joy in a relationship with Jesus Christ, when we come to this revelation, this understanding that no matter where our start is, what the origin is, we were all in darkness. We were all uh, uh, out of our family, the family that God has intended for us. But it was in God's grace that through Christ Jesus, we've all been adopted in. And so whether you've had a biological story like this, 
Every single one of us has a spiritual story like this. We've been away from God. But Galatians 4 would tell us and encourage us that when the night, uh, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. God did this. God sent the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice to appease the law once and for all, to do away with the sacrificial um, covenant that humanity operated under. And now it's simply under the blood of Jesus Christ and his life being given for us, the perfect lamb. He sent that as a just requirement of the law in order to set us free and to adopt us in as his very own children. It says this, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic word for father. What is it saying? Since he sent the spirit into our hearts, since he's rescued us and adopted us in, now we're children of God. What is our response? Father, our heavenly father. We respond to our heavenly father, father, father. It's a shift that has happened through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life when we respond to Jesus Christ. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Amen. Romans 8 would echo this very same thing. That through Christ, we are adopted into the family. And since we are adopted in, now we are co-heirs with Christ. Now here's the deal. We've been adopted into this family. We've said yes to something. Maybe you have said yes. Maybe you haven't said yes. Maybe it's all, maybe your existence and what you've known about your faith has all been in the benefits of what God is, but you've never committed to the responsibility. Come on, everybody comes from a family, from something. There's an expectation inside of that family. There's a certain way you live. There's a certain way you act. There are things you can do. There's things you cannot do. Maybe it was dysfunctional. Maybe it wasn't dysfunctional. I'm just saying there's rules in your family. There's a certain level of expectation. That's not how the Revere's operate. That's not how the Cadell's operate. That's not how the Smith's operate. That's not how the Smothers operate. What we do, we're different. You're a part of this family. You act in accordance. So maybe you haven't come to this place where you have that encounter with Jesus to say, it's no longer me, it's us. And with that, I want the Holy Spirit in my life that I can call out Abba, Father. I can call out Father, Father. I can have the Holy Spirit indwell inside of my life and help me overcome all the dysfunction of this life. That I would not operate as a, an adulterous individual in my relationship with Jesus, where I'm fornicating all over the place, doing whatever I want, serving all these other idols out there, living however I want to live. No, I can say, Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit lives in me, and I can move in a commitment with the Creator. That my life, right, it's by grace that we are saved through faith. And our faith, right, grace isn't abundant for us to keep on sinning, but grace is giving that now we can live by faith, and because of our commitment, we move in love towards our creator and since our creator loves the world now yet while the world is sinners we die to ourselves and love the world as Romans Romans 5 talks about that's how we operate now here the hard thing for me I'll just be honest with you hard thing for me is the body of Christ is vast there's a lot of different churches there's a lot of different denominations there's a lot of way people do things there's judgmental people, there's religious people, there's charismatic people, there's holiness people. I mean, it's all over the place. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I just don't want to punch them in their face. <laughs> I'm like, come on, like, oh, it's not about that. Why'd you make it about that? But every li everybody likes Jose, okay, Uncle Jose. Everybody likes Uncle John. He may be a little crazy, he's a little off sometimes, but he's a part of the family, right? He shows up when you need him. Amen. And so this is about love. It's about love. The greatest thing, faith, hope, and love, as Paul would write at the end of 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 13. He writes a whole love chapter inside of there, which is in every wedding. But he simply says, if you can do amazing things, but there is no love inside of your heart, 
it's worthless. You're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal because you do not operate the way the creator of the universe operates in love. So you're just saying words and doing actions without the motivation that comes from the creator. Love is not in your heart. And so here we are in a world here today where we got to die to our kingdom. We got to find life in Jesus Christ to cancel out the debt of that. And maybe you haven't done that yet. You are still living in darkness and you have not come to the light of Jesus Christ. If that is you, just wave your hand at me. Say, I have not come to the end of myself. I haven't come to the end of myself. I'm still living in darkness. I haven't responded to Jesus. I am still under the condemnation of God. I have not had it canceled by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you want to receive Jesus. Wave at me. Wave at me. Amen. Amen. Come on. This is the, the word is very clear. If you acknowledge me on earth, I will acknowledge you in heaven. Simple as that. We, we're not scared of this life. Paul would preach in Romans. Boldness. Right? I preach with boldness. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Is the very life that is at work in me. Why am I ashamed of it? We can't be a frail and scared church, scared that somebody's going to hate us or harm us because we believe in Jesus Christ. It's going to happen. You're going to lose a reputation. You may lose a job. You may not get the raise. But what do you get? You get eternal life because you love Jesus Christ and you're living a life to serve him. That's what you get. Cool. We face it. But we're the body of Christ. That's why Pro Street is going to have a school. We may even do a college. We'll have a CrossFit gym. It's going to be a one-stop shop. We ain't got to worry about the world trying to cancel the church. We ain't worried about the world trying to cancel this cancel culture that's out there. Creating people as Karens. Oh, you're a black community. You're a white community. You're a Hispanic community. These people don't like you and you don't like them. And blah, blah. That's a part of crazy Marxist ideology. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is... We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. We've all been adopted through Jesus Christ. This is a separation. We don't walk through these doors and see color of skin. We don't walk out of these doors and see color of skin. That is the world's thinking. And any person that's trying to bring that junk up, and you're not a believer that rises up and says, that isn't truth. That is a lie of the enemy to bring division to a people. We will not operate with the mind of the world. We will operate with the mind of Christ. We will bring every argument that is brought by individuals that do not love Jesus under the authority of the gospel. And we will continue to live by love because that's who our God is. In Jesus' name. Amen. So maybe you need to come to the end of yourself. Maybe you got to get this world out of you. You believed way too much of the news. Let me just tell you. I don't know very many people that are on the news that actually would profess that Jesus is Lord. But yet there's a whole lot of believers that's believing the junk that's coming out of their mouths. They're all under condemnation, living in darkness. They are building this kingdom. If you are not careful, the lie of the enemy will be infiltrated into your heart and you will be acting in accordance with the enemy's plan out of alignment with the will of God. Maybe you got to get the world fleshed out of you. You've watched way too much news through COVID. You had nothing else to do, and you're just in there fear. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Racism. Oh, 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 the world's falling apart. It's been falling apart. Since the moment that Adam ate that apple, it's been falling apart. The solution is Jesus Christ, not man's ideas. Jesus Christ. It's him. It will always be him. The beauty is we're the family of God. There's unity in this. Let me just read one last scripture. Let's jump up to our feet here today because I want us to sing together. I want us to see us as one, brothers and sisters in Christ. The last scripture I'll read today is in Galatians 3, verse 26 through 29. It says this, For you are all children of God through the faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on, a, on new clothes. Come on. We are all united with Christ. Every single one of us that have come to belief in Jesus Christ. If you haven't come to belief and committed to follow that, powered by the Holy Spirit, you're still living in darkness. You like the idea of marriage, but you don't want to get married. All good in the hood. You're not united in Christ. Okay? You can live in that Marxist tactic. You can live in a world of division. You can see race and everything else in between. Do your thing. But if you know Jesus Christ, we're united in Christ. We are one body, brothers and sisters. 
connected by Jesus Christ. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise Abraham belongs to you. What is that? You are blessed. You are highly favored. You're empowered to prosper. You are God's chosen people to reveal his light and his love here on this earth. You are here to glorify God in everything that you do, that the world may see your good works and glorify your heavenly father because you're building his kingdom, not your kingdom. This is what we are here to do. We're united in Christ, no longer Jew or Gentile. These are classes. At this moment in time, you wanna go Chris Harrell there and then, it was all about classes. Oh, you're a Jew, you're a Gentile. Oh, you're this or that. Oh, you're a woman or a man. Oh, you're this or that. You get certain rights or whatever. Oh, you're a slave or you're free. Oh, you got different rights. He's like, all of that is gone. That is canceled out. That's the world's mentality. The, the church mentality is, we're united around Christ. All that stuff doesn't matter anymore. If you're sitting here today, you got to look at the person on your left and right. Look at them. Look at your church. Look at Pearl Street Church. Your brothers, my brothers and sisters in Christ. You may not look like me. You may not talk like me. You may not have come from where I come from. It don't matter though. You came to Jesus Christ. I came to Jesus Christ. And we're adopted into the body now. You're my brother. You're my sister. Come on, I'm going to care for you. We're going to care for each other. We're going to love each other. doesn't matter what we look like or where we come from or what our skin color is. We're the body of Christ. Amen. God has given us a new identity. We're a part of a new family. Let's latch hold of that, own that, and push back against every lie that this world has. Throw it in their face and be like, come on, you bunch of Marxist crazy people. You need to come to know Jesus, amen? You're a bunch of sinners. Now I know how to love you. Okay, I'm going to love you right where you're at. Well, let's sing this out. I mean, I requested this, this song. No, I didn't request this one, but he got scared for a second. He was like, oh, shoot, we ain't playing that one right now. But this song is all about, man, he didn't want heaven without us. So he brought heaven down. Is this the song? Is this it or no? No, it is not. Dang it. Man. All right. Well, which one are we going to sing then? <laughs> We're going to sing that one. We'll okay. Let's sing that one. Okay. <laughs> but I'll tell you, there's power in this name, man. <laughs> I had him set up for another song. But there's no, there's no other power that can save us and redeem us. There's no other power that can bring us into the family of God. We all started off away, but this one name, the name of Jesus, brings us in. And I just want us to declare this today. Declare it as a body. Declare it as a church. That when we look around, when we show up on Sunday, this isn't about us and them. We are all adopted into the same place. We got to push the Marxist stuff out. We got to push all this demonic stuff out. Crazy ideas to divide. And we got to come back to the truth of God's word to unite around Jesus Christ the answer for the world's issues, the answer for the world's problems. Man will try to have it. God's already brought the solution in his son, Jesus. We just got to keep on getting back to the solution. 